Welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in once again with me. Uh, if you're tuning in on Google Podcasts, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts, thank you, thank you, thank you. Spotify, iHeart, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts, if you would, uh, give me a five-star rating and a review. I greatly appreciate it. And on Spotify, if you're there, give me a, if you would, give me a five-star rating as well. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. <clears throat> In this week's episode, we're talking to Peter Holland Jr. about the Hall of Fame. And of course, we're going to dabble into a little bit of Super Bowl talk. But of course, of first, we do have something to get off. Your chest. Yes, this week it will be me doing the rant. This week, the last couple weeks, we had a couple guests, uh, people doing a rant, but I decided this week I've got this one. Now, you know, I watched the Super Bowl and I enjoyed the game and all the things that happened in the game. But one particular person stuck out to me. His name is Eli Apple. Now, before I get started talking about Eli Apple, I'm going to give you a little story about me doing a little bit too much. I'm going to take you back to when I was eight years old. Uh, my dad had just got a 1982 Pontiac Fiero, red with black uh, accent in terms of the stripes, things like that on it. I thought this was the best car ever. And, of course, we're going down to the uh, ballpark where I played baseball at when I was seven and eight years old. Didn't play very long, but that's another story. <clears throat> so we're down there, and we get out of the car, and I think it's like the best car in the parking lot. And we walk up to the field, and we're watching a baseball game. Well, you know, I want to show off the car to my friends. I'm all excited. I want to show them what, what kind of you know car my dad just got. So I'll take them over to the car, even though my dad told me to stay away from the car. And I'm showing the car off. I'm opening the doors, you know, all those type of things. And, you know, and, and for those that aren't familiar with the 1982 Pontiac Fiero, the engine is in the back of the car. Yes, the engine's in the back. So, you know, I'm showing off the car or whatever. You know, I want to make sure, you know, the car is safe. Nobody runs over the car. So I lock the doors, close them, walk back to the field. Don't think anything of it. Well, we get ready to leave that night. Walk back to the car. My dad tries the handles of the car. They are locked. And little did I know that he did not have the keys. So essentially, I locked the keys in the car. We had to, you know, get a Slim Jim. Try to get in that car. Eventually did. Got home. Of course... I definitely got in trouble for that. <laughs> yes, I definitely remember getting in trouble for that. 
you know, which, you know, in that instance, I didn't do what my dad had told me to do. And I was doing too much. Basically doing, showing the car off, doing all this, that, and the other, acting like it was some big fancy trophy, whatever I was doing, I was doing too much. Now, getting back to Eli Apple, leading up to the Super Bowl and, you know, of course, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, he's the corner, he's a, he's a cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Before that, he played for the New York Giants, and he also played for the um, New Orleans Saints. Now, they, they won, you know, the first game, the second game, and, you know, of course, he goes on the internet, or excuse me, Twitter, and talks about the New York Giants fans and the New Orleans Saints fans, and basically is trashing them and everything. So he's feeling himself from, you know, winning the first game or whatever. And the second game, of course, first the Titans. Of course, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and he talks about uh, Travis Kelsey and um, Tyreek Hill, talking about, hey, they, I get him a, get you a ticket for the game. You know, calls himself being funny. So he's feeling himself. He's, he's doing a lot. Well, he gets into the Super Bowl, and he, goes, he gets beat not once, but twice in this game for touchdowns. Now, the first one, I don't know what he's looking at because he's a defensive back. I know you have to be run support, but you're secondary run support. You're not the first line of defense. So on a play-action pass, he's looking in the backfield. He takes a couple steps up. Cooper Cup runs right by him, and he's out in no man's land while Cooper Cup is catching the touchdown where he's supposed to be. Now, the second one, of course, was the one that won the game. But before that, let me let me talk about the, the holding penalty. Um, you know, they were letting a few things go in this game. Uh, I know people will talk about Jalen Ramsey had a hold earlier in the game. Of course, we'll talk about T. Higgins with the offensive pass interference where he, he basically pulled Jalen Ramsey's uh, face mask while he's catching the ball and all those different things. But anyway, in this game, of course, the, the Rams are making the drive to try to get the, you know, the, the touchdown to get the lead late in the game. On this play, Cooper Cup runs at him. Makes a move. He not only grabs him once, he grabs him twice. So if the referee didn't see the first one, he definitely saw the second one. Holding penalty. It's in the end zone. Of course, it goes down the one-yard line. And, of course, they throw the game-winning touchdown pass on him with Cooper Cup. Now, if I'm the Rams and I'm I'm game-planning that game, you know, at all times you always know, if push come to shove, we've always got Eli Apple. That's probably got to be in the game plan. So they went at him. He gave up two touchdowns. He really didn't do a lot in this game. And he reminded New York Giants and New Orleans Saints fans why he is no longer a part of their team. So after this game, social media was lighting him up. Probably New Orleans Saints fans and Giants fans in general. And... Also, his fellow NFL players in terms of wide receivers were, you know, mainly I would say Hollywood Brown from the from the Baltimore Ravens was doing a little bit of it. Then you had um, what is did you have? You had uh, just uh, there was a lot of receivers, a lot of NFL players in general that were coming for Eli Apple. Main point of the story. Hey, you know, you you having some success, you're doing your thing, whatever. But. Doing a little bit too much. You know, it, it, it just, you know, enjoy the success. But man, 
did you really have to do all that other stuff? Was that really something you needed to do? I mean, we know you're in the NFL, but we know you've had a couple failed stints in a couple other places. And that, you know, looking at a few different things, those teams thought you were questionable along with their fans. So, Eli Apple, in this case, you were doing too much. Might want to bring it down. And also, we don't know if you're going to be in Cincinnati next year. So, you might not want to talk about the fans of different teams. Because, you know what? Those front offices and GMs and other players on teams, they see you. They don't really deal with you like that. So, you know, that's my uh, what I had to get off my chest this week. Man, just Eli Apple, you're doing too much, man. You're doing too much. I mean, if I were you, I'd probably go radio silent on social media right now because the mentions is probably smoking hot and probably done set off a fire alarm or whatever building. So, just my thoughts on that one thank you all for listening of course uh this is touring the afc south with your host mike Patton. we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with peter holland jr thank you going through some things and not quite sure who to turn to well let me tell you about peace of mind counseling and life coaching they offer services ranging from mental health counseling parenting classes, life coaching services, therapy, alcohol and drug assessments, and so much more. And all the services are monitored by licensed supervisors. Also, they're currently offering free consultations for counseling or life coaching. All you need to do to get started is reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930- one two three zero to get started again you can reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230 so if you feel you need to talk to someone or know someone that needs to talk to someone take the time to reach out to peace of mind counseling and life coaching where the motto is it costs you your peace of mind then it is too expensive welcome back to touring the AFC South I am your host Mike Patton and of course we're going to talk a little Hall of Fame and I mean it wouldn't be right if I didn't you know bring someone in that actually has uh, a great view of the Hall of Fame right there in his in his basically in your vision uh Want to bring on uh, from the Canton repository? Is it repository? Yes, the repository. Okay, Canton repository. Uh, we've got Peter Holland Jr. What's going on, man? What's going on, Mike? Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Hey, I just want to, uh, for those that are not familiar, can you kind of run down uh, the credentials and everything so that way they're they're aware of who you are? Um, a little bit of a backstory. Um. I'm from South Florida, born and raised. Um, that's where I am. Even from Ohio, I still rep um, the 954 all with the 305. Um, I graduated Florida National University, been a sports writer for the last uh, seven years, I believe now. Seven years. Uh, just work my just work my way up in the ladder as a journalist. You know, you know how it is. Um, I just been on the grind. Started as a student writer, did a few internships. Uh, after I graduated, I 
I moved to three different states in the last four years um, from Salt Lake City, Utah. I worked for a, a Mormon-based paper called the Desert News. And then uh, after that was over, I went the small town route. Um, I, I was living in McPherson, Kansas for about a couple of years, and I was a sports editor there. I um, covered the local high school over there. And then um, then COVID hit, and then got, things went a little bit sideways for a bit until jobs started to open up again. And then um, I took a job um, at Kearney, Nebraska, paper called it the Kearney Hub, where I covered the local high school there, too. And I also will cover a few um, colleges like um, the, uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers as well. Um, then that was before I took this job um, at the Cam Repository. So, and that's, I just been here. I just started working here like a few weeks ago. It was like about a month ago. I was in Nebraska. Now I'm here, you know, getting myself acquainted, get myself situated. I'm just glad to be where I'm at right now. Well, man, it's quite a journey. Definitely. I mean, Salt Lake, Utah, man, how was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't that too, it wasn't too bad. It was, um, I live downtown and um, mountain weather is not as bad than compared to Midwest weather. You can say when it snows, it's not too bad because you're living in the mountains. It'll be like 50 degrees and then we flourish will come out of nowhere. But that's, that's how crazy it is. But um, no, it, it, it was all right. I, I did like Utah and um, it really, it really um, see a different look of other places other than the environment I'm used to being. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hmm. Interesting, man. Interesting. So, you know, before we get into the Hall of Fame talk, of course, we just had a Super Bowl where the Rams won 23-20 in their home stadium. Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl and everybody's saying he was the missing piece and they weren't sure if he was or wasn't as the season went on. He proved he was a part of the puzzle, but not the biggest piece of the puzzle. Of course, that was Cooper Cup, who won the MVP and uh, had an amazing season leading the uh, wide receivers in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, which is, uh, you know, of course, the triple crown of receiving. So what did you think about the Super Bowl? All around, it was a it was a pretty good game. Um, I wouldn't expect anything less than the way it ended. Uh, it was definitely uh, – it was an interesting ball game. Both, both teams played well, and I think what really kind of stood out to me, um, looking back at it now, was um, the officiating was a little bit inconsistent, I guess you can say, uh, from the – the I still can't get over the Jamar Chase um, face-masking Jalen Ramsey. That was T. Higgins. That was T. Higgins. Oh, T. Higgins. Yeah, I'm sorry, T. Higgins, yeah. T. Higgins face-masking him and toss him in the ground, and the penalty was not called. And then right in toward the end of the game, uh, Logan Wilson, the linebacker, was called for pass interference when it was clearly it was not or or holding for that matter. So there was a lot of – I wouldn't say that played a role of why, of why the Bengals lost, um, but those were the little things that, that really just crossed my mind a little bit of the fishing. But other than that, it was, it was a pretty solid game, and um, I'm glad it really ended for the Rams. They looked like they were a more complete team. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I'm definitely happy for him, but just can't get over all the years of him being in Detroit to be where he's at now. And then obviously Aaron Donald, man, you can pretty much solidify him as the greatest defensive player of all time. I mean, what has he had not done at this point? He can just go out. He can just retire in his 30. Like he um, likes reportedly that he's thinking about it, but 
at 30 years old, eight-time Pro Bowler, um, what seven-time All-Pro, and and now he finally gets the ring that he rightfully deserves. I mean, that's the ice in the cake. Who don't want to end on top than what Aaron Donald has done? So I will definitely understand. But he clearly has like five more years in him. But I can understand why he wants to leave on top. Who doesn't want to leave on top with a Super Bowl ring, of course? Right, right. Also, three-time Defensive Player of the Year to add to his resume. But um, also, but you know, of course, we we want to talk about the game. Let's talk about the halftime show. I know everybody wants to hear about the reactions to the halftime show. You got Dr. Dre, you got Snoop, you got uh, Mary J. Blige, you got Kendrick Lamar, you got Eminem, and then a surprise of 50 hanging upside down uh, to, uh, you know, definitely uh, join the fun. I mean, I I know me. I was jumping and dancing and doing whatever (laughs) while I was watching that performance and probably the most excited I've been for a performance at the half at halftime in, in a minute. I mean, what did you think about it, man? It was definitely one of the best uh, halftime performance I've seen. And, um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a hip hop head myself, man. I, this is practically my childhood on live stage right now. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Dr. Dre. I'm a huge Eminem fan as well. Um, 50 Cent. I mean, I don't, I don't know why people are just keep on saying that 50 Cent was a little bit on the heavy side, but I think he's probably in a better shape than 90% of America is. So I'm not going to give him crap for that. Um, Mary J. Blige, she's the queen. She still looks amazing, even at her ages. And Kendra Lamar, she, I think he was probably the best performance out of all of them. The way he, the way um, he just came came back and i'm just hoping like man k dot when we're gonna have an album that's just, <laughs> that's something that just came up in mind but having all of them together and orchestrated by dr dre it just brought back all the memories and all the the great the good times of music and um, i i really enjoyed it just personally i think it was the best well i will say this uh i can't say it's necessarily the best because uh you know we're still talking about prince and beyonce out there too but <laughs> you know Definitely was up there as one of the best performances at Super Bowl halftime. And of course, I can't forget Michael Jackson. Come on now. The man turned yeah. sideways and the whole crowd screamed for like two minutes. So, you know. <laughs> that's true. So. That's true. But still, man, I'm, I'm, I'm young. Man. I'm 29 years old and I don't even remember any of this. I can remember this. So I just can say this from my eyes. This was the best I've seen. Got you. Understood. Understood. And now I wonder how they're going to top it in Arizona. You know, I know uh, I'm going to shout out to my boy, uh, Damian Adams. Uh, I was listening to his podcast, which is The Real Deal with Damian Adams. You can find it on all, li- all listening platforms. But he was talking about uh, potentially having, uh, he just threw a name out there and said Drake for, for next year's. I was like, hmm. he might be on to something. Drake, because really, Arizona, do they really have anybody that say, you can say, hey, hip hop? They started hip hop in Arizona. No, so why not bring somebody universally known that's gonna everybody's gonna love pretty much. I mean, people can say they don't like him and say he does emotional rap and all that type of stuff, whatever. But they know they're listening to everything he's putting out. But you know that would be a good idea. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it does. Trying to think about, it, I don't see why at this point Drake is in the top of his game. He's he's a uh, He's been selling multi-million dollars, multi-million dollars um, record sales. And yeah, I don't see why. I mean, it's definitely 
a name they want to toss in the hat. But um, let me see. If Drake would go, will go. I'm just thinking of who who will be with Drake. Is probably will be a good good question. Or, I got two names. Oh, oh, you already got two names. Yeah, yeah it, it would just make you just think of what are some of what will be his guests. What will be the will be in his playlist? Is fifteen million? Is like what fifteen minute act? You got to think of a few songs that. People are just going to lose their minds to, and then switch things up a little bit. And Drake is capable of doing that. And um, there got to be some surprises to go along with it. So Drake and Drake is a really good performer. So that pretty, I think that's a good, um, good name we toss out there. Uh, you hear that? Uh, I know Damien is probably listening. You hear that, Damien? Yes, you have someone, uh, two people in agreement that Drake should be the performer. Now, I did have the other two performers, people with him. I would say Lil Wayne. Is definitely one of them. Got to have Lil Wayne. And mm-hmm. let's see, uh, who else? Uh, who else? Gonna say? I would say you could do Nicki. And uh, also, you know, he's going to do, you know, he's going to bring future. That's just going to happen. You know, Ooh. love him or hate him, you know, he's going to bring future. Let's just hope that um, they don't count him with Russell Wilson, Sierra. Or, <laughs> let's just hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's enough. Uh, I guess Super Bowl talk, and of course, you know, again, again, congratulations to the uh, Los Angeles Rams for winning the Super Bowl, second team in a row to do in their home stadium. Of course, Arizona is on the clock now. They're they're hosting the Super Bowl next year. Could they make it three years in a row? We don't know. Whole off season to go through, and of course, we know the rumblings that Kyler Murray is not happy there. But I digress. <laughs> All right. Um, as far as um. You know, the Hall of Fame. I got to get into it. You've got Tony Baselli. You've got Leroy Butler. Well, I'm going to call him Leroy because, you know, he, he kind of changed his name to Leroy once he got money. So I'm going to call him Leroy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got Sam Mills, a linebacker for, you know, the Panthers and, and the Saints. You got uh, Richard Seymour, of course, Patriots and the, uh, and the Raiders. Brian Young, 49ers. Cliff Branch. The Raiders, Art McNally, who some say is the father of modern officiating, and you've got Dick Vermeil, one of seven coaches to lead two teams to the Super Bowl. That would be the Eagles and the Rams, which he won the Super Bowl with. Okay. I see all those names. What did you think when you saw all of those names listed as Hall of Famers? When I I saw the when I saw those names, um, the first thing that's come to mind is, okay, I'm not I'm not the type of person who will just overreact, but that's also the thing about it with the Hall of Fame. Now that I'm learning more about it, after I saw it, I'm just knowing right from the jump that okay, there's a common theme here. There's something about each of these players that probably the voters or the committee were just thinking, you know what? We're not, you can just tell that we're not just going to look at just pure statistics. We're not going to just go just purely productivity. There's a story of each of these guys. You can just see it from, from each of the candidates. Like, and I'm just talking about from the modern era because um, guys like Dick, Dick Muriel and um, Art McNally and um, Cliff Branch, they're in, the, they're in a different, um, different ballot. But from the, from the modern era guys, we're talking about guys like Tony Baselli. 
He's the first Jacksonville Jaguar player to get inducted. Uh, you talk about um, Leroy Butler, Leroy Butler, if you want to call it whatever. Uh, <laughs> he's Mr. Lambo Leap himself. So you got to get him him somehow. Um, Brian Young, he was – You can, you're, aren't you a Niners fan? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you just recall of how of he was that Super Bowl – that um that Super Bowl hero as a defensive player, uh and uh yeah it each player has a story and they're also to, to take an account is that um those guys also had years of eligibility like up to what about not up to ten to fifteen years even twenty I think it took twenty years for Sam Mills God rest his soul um just to finally get inducted so. Each of these guys been waiting long enough because they know that more, more, um, more nominees are coming in, and they're coming in hot. They're hot names. I mean, we're talking about Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis, and all got became finalists in their first in their um first ballot. Devin Hester as well. We might consider the the greatest return man in NFL history. They're coming. They're coming in, and then they're just. And I just think that I guess. I guess it just makes sense to get those guys who waited long enough out of the way because they know that more of the guys who probably might have first ballot, second year ballot, they're coming in real fast. And even more of that is going to have names going to be tossed around now for years to come. So I think, it, I guess, in a way, that's probably the, the direction that the committee was was doing. Gotcha. 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 You know, of course, you know, I do have to say this is touring the AFC South. So, of course, you know, congrats to Tony Baselli. Uh, for being the first Jacksonville Jaguar to be in the Hall of Fame, of course, you know. But I will say uh, there were three wide receivers that didn't get selected. That would be Andre Johnson, Torrey Holt, and Reggie Wayne. Of course, two of those guys from the AFC South, which Andre Johnson, which is mostly the Texans. A lot of people don't remember him with the Colts or with the Titans. Yes, he actually wore a Titans jersey. Mm -hmm. And uh, Reggie Wayne with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, you know, you would think at least one of them would get in, but none of them got in. So what do you, what can you say or what can you do you feel was the reason why none of them got in? I guess the probably thing is a bit too soon just to get them as finalists. Um, and probably going back to what I said earlier is that there is a little bit of a common theme here with uh, this your finalists and seeing that it was predominantly defense. Um, so I think that was probably kind of the route they went because you see that we had four wide receivers that were finalists, but we also had four linebackers that were finalists as well. And you just pick your poison. And I guess that's kind of a way that they just say, you know what, we got, let's go with a defense. Let's go defensive heavily. Those guys waited long enough and um, let's see. And let's take it from there. And usually I just thought that would be more balance it, balance it out. I thought it would probably be like maybe two wide receivers get in, two linebackers get in, and a couple of linemen. I thought it would be like like that. But um, yeah, so so I guess they just said I just think that there was just it was simply just a common theme and and they were just going for the guys who just waited their turn long enough to get those guys in because they know that Andre Johnson, um, Reggie Wayne, they can wait, guys. They can wait. Nope. Uh, no ballot they're going to get in eventually. The fact that they made it this far as finalists, there's no question they said they will get in 
next year or a couple years from now. So they're not going to get they're not going to get too worked up about that. So I think that's kind of my takeaway of that. Got you. Got you. Now, of course, we did. I just wanted to, you know, get an explanation or, or somebody that's actually closer to the to the to the ballots into the Hall of Fame than, than I am. Try to get a little bit more view there. You know that that's that that that's you know giving us quality quality explanation as to why they're not in there. But I feel they should have been. But hey, that's just uh, here nor there. That's just my thoughts. But of course, I'm going to give you four names. They're mm-hmm. all AFC South guys, mm-hmm. and I'm going to uh, play a little game. You're going to give me a yes or no whether these guys are going to get in the Hall of Fame. Ooh, you can put me on the spot here. Okay. Yes, sir. I've got three. I've got four guys from the AFC South. All right, we're going to go Fred Taylor. I'm going to give you his numbers: eleven thousand six hundred ninety-five yards rushing. 65, excuse me, 66 rushing TDs, which 74 total TDs, and 4.6 yards per carry in his career. Does he make the Hall of Fame? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. We're gonna go a little further. Gonna get gonna gonna stick with Jacksonville theme here. We're gonna go wide receiver Jimmy Smith, 12,287 mm. yards receiving, 67 touchdowns for his career, 67 receiving touchdowns for his career. And he had to be one of the most electrifying receivers uh, of his time. And, and, oh, and let me throw in, I'm sorry, let me throw in, he's the best receiver that Jacksonville has ever had. There we go. Let me throw that in. That's facts. That's facts. Does he get in? Yes, I think he should get in. Um. My question is, is it going to be as in the modern era or he's going to go as a senior? Because that's probably going to be the question um, that's going to be heavily debated with Jimmy Smith and his situations. Um, I Personally, to me, I didn't really know much about Jimmy Smith like that because I didn't really follow the Jaguars like that. When the first thing that came to mind with the Jacksonville Jaguar was Fred Saylor. I'm a, I'm a big fan of him, and I guess that that's why I thought that, yeah, he will be a Hall of Fame for sure. Um, with Jimmy Smith, um, I was just looking at his backstory, and it's really, it's really inspiring just to say. He's an HBCU product, coming from Jackson State, and it took him a couple – he originally got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, and the, he, was a, he was a member of those two Super Bowl – um, Dallas Cowboys team, but he didn't stop. He didn't start. He didn't really make an impact like that. And then it was his second year when he had that what that the epidemic injury um, that had him silent for about a year. It didn't take him till he was signed to the Jacksonville Jaguars in his second year with the Jaguars till he finally broke out. So I'm not going to say that kind of plays a role because at the end of the day. Like you said, he was the best Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver. What, nine of the last 10 seasons with the Jags? He went over 1,000 yards, shattered all the record books. And Jacksonville is pretty young, too, man. I, I think we also got to take that account. Jacksonville is incredibly young. The fact that we had Tony Baselli inducted in the Hall of Fame is remarkable, and I think it's going to open doors for more 
Jacksonville Jaguar greats like a Jimmy Smith, like a Fred Taylor, maybe later on Mark Brunell, and um, just more. There's gonna they're gonna come. I just don't know particularly when. But it's just for Jimmy Smith case, his story to how he what he had to overcome um, with his health. Um, I know he dealt with some legal troubles um, after the season, but and he was struggling with addiction. But I think that will also will make the story even better for him if he does get if he does get inducted that he overcome all those challenges throughout his career. So, yeah, I, I think Jimmy Smith will definitely be a Hall of Famer for sure. I just don't know when in particular. Gotcha, gotcha. That'll be something to watch for sure. Um, all right, I'm going to end it with a couple Tennessee Titans. Okay. First, I've got Eddie George, 10,441 yards, 600 rushing TDs, 78 total, and 3.6 yards per carry. Does Eddie George make the Hall of Fame? Yes. Okay. All right. I get Eddie George in there, man. He's yeah. Eddie George is big time. Um, definitely uh, the one of the best running backs um, Titans has had. Um, made him an impact. Um, I just just remember Eddie George just just a guy just couldn't be stopped. I mean, we think of what Derrick Henry and how much of. Uh, how much he, we can't stop the stop Derrick Henry because of his size. Eddie George was definitely the kind of guy who was pretty much, I want to say he was Derrick Henry, but he was definitely was athletically gifted. And um, the numbers shows him himself. I, I could definitely see him as a Hall of Famer as well. Now I'll say this. He only did play nine years. So for those that are, are looking at his numbers and squinting your eyes, like, are you serious? He only played nine years, had 10,441 yards. So keep that in account as well. But hey, Tony Baselli lasted what seven, eight years before right. um, he before um, injuries um, um, ended his career. So it's not about the years. It's, at the end of the day, the production will come. That's when the production will come, and you can just think of hey, how many years of he could have had if he played more and he was healthy. So, right, right, right. And last but certainly not least, we have Steve Air McNair. 31,304 yards, 174 TDs. He did have 119 interceptions. And he also was a co-MVP one year with Peyton Manning. So is he in or is he out? Man, that's a tough one. I knew it would be. (laughs) I think also we'll take into account that Steve McNair is in the the Black College Hall of Fame as well, which I also cover too. So Steve McNair, definitely the guy who he's the reason why he's another guy that come from that HBCU school who really made an immediate impact. And um, yeah, a guy who definitely, definitely deserve his flowers in a way. Does he, is he a Hall of Famer? I think he, I think he might have a shot, but my chances are, it might be, he might be, might be a senior, maybe as a senior player. Because gotcha. gotcha. I just think, I just think that over years has gone by with because more players are coming in in that modern era, it's going to be tougher for guys like Steve McNair to get in. I mean, think about when Tom Brady in twenty twenty seven or five years from now and other. Other like what quarterbacks who will 
quarterbacks will be retiring years to come. So it's going to be a lot tougher. Uh, it would just be a matter of 20 years from now, 25 years from now, we're going to think back, man, Steve McNair was really that dude. I think he definitely should get in the Hall of Fame as well. I just think it might be in um, in the senior. Gotcha. Okay. Now we did have one question in the uh, tour in the AFC South inbox from a Michael Jones. Who Mike Jones? Who Mike Jones? I had to do it one time. But uh, let's see. Can McNair get in before McNabb? Nice question. Ooh, that is a good question. I think McNabb gets in before um, um, Steve McNair. I think. Ooh. I think McNabb. Yeah, I think McNabb, man, I'm just thinking about that. Yeah, I really got to look bad, but I think McNabb had the – he was definitely that dude too. Um, He played in the Super Bowl as well. Um, He had Terrell Owens – Terrell Owens with him too. Um, Yeah, McNabb in his prime, that guy was the best quarterback out there. And um, I think if we're going to – I don't know. If, I don't have the numbers on me to compare. But I think McNabb. I could definitely see McNabb getting in before Steve McNair. Yeah, if I had them, I'd look them up. But unfortunately, I do not have them in front of me. Nor will I be becoming uh, a human computer. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, definitely was a uh, good talking to you today, man. And um, if you can uh, let everyone know where they can reach out to you and what all you have going on. Yes. Um, I'm on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter um, at the pistol at um, underscore D A underscore P I S T O L, or just simply just type my name, Peter Holland Jr. It'll pop up. Um, I got a couple of articles, a couple of stories that I'm working on at the moment. Um, I'm actually just finishing up this one. Uh, the Legacy Bowl is coming up this weekend where all HBCU players get to showcase the NFL scouts. That's coming up. And I had the pleasure to speaking with James Shaq Harris. Everybody knows about Shaq Harris of how much he opened the doors for HBCU players. Um, so I got a chance to spoke to him. What is his thoughts on the Legacy Bowl, um, the Black College Hall of Fame game um, next um, next season, Central State and um, Winston-Salem State will be playing this this coming season. Um, have his thoughts on the direction of HBCU players getting more recognition. It really he was he was one of the guys who was really upset that no HBCU players were drafted last year. So they tried to make try to change that. So I got a mm-hmm. chance to speak to him about it and um it'll be coming up sometime this week. Got you, got you. Can you say that name one more time for those that aren't aware? James Shaq Harris. Look him up, do the research. Don't depend on us to tell you who he is. I need you to dig into it because when you dig into it and look for it and you when you read it and you understand it, then you get who he was and his value and his his greatness and what he did. Just going to leave it at that. And thank you again for uh, coming on again. Again, the Canton Registry Repositories. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep wanting to say registry. The Canton Repositories, Peter Holland, Jr. You've been listening to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. We're out.